As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey y'all, thanks for listening to Killer Queens. Or KQ if you're nasty. Welcome to the show where two 90s loving country chicks gab about true crime and tell each other to talk to the hand because the face ain't listening. I'm Torella. And I'm Tori. And we're sisters who have always loved true crime and decided to turn that obsession into a show with a light take on the topic. Diet True Crime, it's all the flavor and fewer calories. Mm. Now, with our show, you'll get true crime, 90s nostalgia, and a few four-letter words sprinkled in. Because I always say that Polly Pockets and True Crime go together like peas and carrots. Be sure to check out our case submission form on our website at killerqueenspodcast.com and follow us on social media and YouTube. Now grab your Surge, your 3D Cool Ranch Doritos, and your kitten surprise, and let's get into the episode. This episode contains discussion of miscarriage, domestic violence, and kidnapping. Listener discretion is advised. On July 10th, 1998, 15-year-old Shannara Mobley gave birth to a beautiful baby girl in Jacksonville, Florida. Less than 12 hours later, her sweet girl had been abducted from the hospital and disappeared without a trace. Several hours later, 32-year-old Gloria Williams knocked on her mother's door in Ruffin, South Carolina. When her mother opened the door, she found Gloria standing there with a newborn baby in her arms. Gloria said that she'd given birth in a Charleston hospital earlier that day. For the next 18 years, Gloria raised her daughter in South Carolina in a loving and nurturing home until one day investigators received a tip that the young lady that Gloria Williams was raising wasn't actually her child at all. Hey, you guys, welcome to Killer Queens. If you've never been here before, we want to give you just a little information about how the show is set up and what it's meant to accomplish. If you have been here before, welcome back. You can just use that handy skip ahead feature here if you want to. We want to give a message to friends and family of the victims. We know that there may be someone involved in the case who might listen one day, and we want you to know that our intention is to only bring awareness to this case. And while we do use personal stories in some instances and our own humor in order to tell the story in a way that listeners can relate, we have the utmost respect for victims and their families. We created Killer Queens to be a place where we can have open discussions about cases just like you would with friends. We are not investigators. We use information that is available to the public, such as documentaries, case files, and media coverage. Using this information, we intend to tell the story of what happened in each case that we cover. Now, will you agree with our interpretations or conclusions of each case? Well, heck no. Mm-mm. We each approach cases from different perspectives, life experiences, and beliefs that we already have in place. And sometimes these differences are slight, yet they can be wide enough to cause divide and upset some of those listening. 
We do our best to present the facts as we find them in our research, but we do bring our own perspectives to the case. We understand that you will too. We want you to know that this is a safe space to discuss differences in opinions in a civilized manner. Our style may not be your personal preference, and if that's the case, we know you'll be able to find one of the many other shows out there to tell the story the way you want to hear it. We can be grown-ups about it if you can. Now, if we are your cup of tea and you want even more KQ, you can join our Patreon and get access to our entire catalog of episodes ad-free and access to bonus episodes too. And I'll give you just a little hint if you're an ad skipper, um, but you still want the deals that we have from our sponsors each week, you can scroll down to the show notes and see what coupons we have available for you right down there. But you didn't hear it from us. Mm -mm, mm -mm, That's a pro tip, but I'll deny ever sharing it. Right. So all that being said, let's get into the story. Sheesh. I do think that we should also add another trigger warning for attempted suicide. Yes. Good call. Yes, definitely. Um, This is a rough case. We will do our best, obviously, to handle it in a respectful manner. Appropriately. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, And again, you know, we are piecing the story together like we do every single story that we tell. Uh, based on what is available in the media. So we're going to pull from bits and pieces. You can always find all of those sources listed on our website. Um, So yeah, shall we? I think we should. Wait! What are we doing? What are we doing? We have to thank Madison. We do. For writing this up. Thank you. Thank you. You did a wonderful job. Yes. As always. Shannara Mobley grew up in Jacksonville, Florida, and often felt like she was on her own. Her mother was really strict, and as the oldest sibling, she felt like she took the brunt of the discipline. Um, She was thrust into a life of difficulty when she was molested by someone she knew at the age of nine. The sexual abuse lasted for two years, and after that, Shannara spent much of her time on the streets. She was enrolled at Eugene Butler Middle School, but often skipped classes. At just 14 years old, Shannara found herself pregnant, and unfortunately, not long after, she did suffer a miscarriage. Um, At this point, she just felt lost. She was couch surfing with friends and family. She started lying about her age so that she could get work as a babysitter. At 15, she found herself having episodes of dizziness, which she hadn't had before, and she ended up finding out that she was four months pregnant. So the father of the baby was Craig Aiken. He lived across the street from Shannara's Uncle Bubba's house where she had been staying. And Craig was 22 years old at the time. Not excellent, but according to everything I've read, he believed she was older. Yes. And Shannara did admit to having lied about her age for other things. So it isn't outside of the realm of possibility that she also told him that she was older than she was. So, yes. Um, Despite still being very young and not having found her path yet, she was really excited about the baby. She said that she saw this as like her sign from God to shape up, change her life, get on the right path. Like she felt like she'd found a purpose kind of thing. Um, And she said it just felt right. And she started getting everything she needed to prepare for her baby. 
with the help of donations from the church and a counselor at a local juvenile program. Shannara was able to fill her room at Uncle Bubba's house with a bassinet, baby clothing, diapers, and she was super excited when she found out that this baby was going to be a little girl. Um, Her doctor had told her, if you've not gone into labor by June 30th, you're going to have to come in and you're going to have to get induced. And she said, no, my baby will come on her own time. So I don't know. I was pretty much like, when can we evict this guy? Like, get him out of here. You know? Yeah. It's by that point, especially in June. Dang, in Florida, that's high. In Florida, yes. I can't imagine because I've not gone through it, but um, she wasn't wrong. I mean, the baby, Kamaya, she she came on her own. She sure did. Um, and she was also scared. I mean, the idea of giving birth is terrifying, no matter how old you are, no matter how prepared you are for it, like any of that stuff. I mean, you know, especially your first time, you're just like, what is going to happen? <laughs> like, it's pretty scary. Um, so nine days later, on July the 9th, Shannara's water broke. Nine Darn. days. Yeah. Uh, her uncle Bubba and his girlfriend drove Shannara, she's 15 at the time, to University Medical Center in Jacksonville. And then when it was time for them to give her her epidural, um, the hospital staff were like, okay, guys, you need to step out of the room so we can do this. And they left. They just left the hospital. I cannot believe that they just left her there. She's 15, first baby. She has nobody else there to help She's her. She's all alone. All alone. And She's they all alone. just GTFO'd. I mean, the hospital staff was there, obviously, but that's not the same. I mean, it is a really terrifying thing. And then especially like those, I mean, the moments leading up to it, but then everything directly after they hand you the baby and it's, it's just nice to have somebody there. Like I, I know there's a lot of reasons that people end up having to give birth alone. Like I had a friend whose husband was deployed when she had her baby and she went into labor before anybody could like, you know, they planned on getting there to visit her like a week later, she went into labor a week earlier than everybody had planned, you know, kind of thing. Like, I know there's a lot of different reasons why that happens, but it is a really scary thing. I mean, and it's overwhelming and there's a lot of stuff happening all at once and you don't know what you're doing. And you, I don't know, it's just like, and you can't get up and get stuff for yourself yet. Like no matter which type of birth you have, I had two C-sections, but you're completely numb from the waist down regardless. It takes hours to be able to get up and move and you're in a lot of pain. Like, I can't believe they just left. I don't know. I don't know what their reasoning was. Seems not cool. Not cool, Uncle Bubba. Right. Um, and, and they didn't come back before the birth at all. Um, Craig, the baby's father, was at this time, unfortunately, incarcerated on drug charges. Um, so he wasn't able to be there. And I have every reason to believe he would have been there the whole time if he'd been able to. Absolutely. Um, on July the 10th, 1998 at 6.55 a.m., Kamaya Teresia Tasha Mobley was born. She was eight pounds and 23 ounces. She had a head full of dark curly hair. Oh my gosh. She had so much hair. She's yes. so cute. Um, Shannara was 
exhausted, but she was also super thrilled to be a mother. And she could not wait to like dress Kamaya up and get her home and parade her around in front of her friends and family. You know, she wanted to like show her off to everybody. This was her, this was her baby. Like, (sighs) so then later that morning around 10 a.m., A young woman who looked to be in her late 20s wearing green scrub bottoms and a floral scrub top entered room 328 where Shannara sat with her new baby. This woman said, I'm a nurse. I'm here to help you. Um, She was very nice. Shannara described her as very kind, comforting even. Um, She helped Shannara a lot. Um, She said she seemed very professional. She has no reason not to believe this woman is a nurse. Um, she, and Shannara was kind of excited to have somebody there with her. She was alone. Right. Um, so this woman helps Shannara get cleaned up, um, into a new gown. She was in the room with her for almost five hours. Now I have a question about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and what do I know? Cause I've never had a baby um, at all. But is it common to be in a room by yourself, according to the medical and hospital staff, for five hours without somebody coming in to check in? No. And that's what I don't understand either. They, I mean, they literally were in there. My experience is that the two different hospitals I gave birth at were different. One was a teaching hospital. So people were in my room like every five to 10 minutes. It felt like I literally I remember I was that crazy. Yeah. Cause I, I didn't get any sleep for three days. It was like the doctor came in, then the nurse would come in to check your blood pressure and do all the things. And then the anesthesiologist would come in and check on things. But then each of their teaching crew or whatever, you know, the people under them would come in at separate the times to do maybe the, yeah, or something yeah. to do their stuff. It, they never came at the same time. It was drove me crazy. Well, but then so the other one, it was still never five whole hours that you were Absolutely by yourself. Absolutely right? not. Absolutely not. They have to come in and check your blood pressure. Um, they have to come check the baby's vitals and like all these things. There's I just do not remember at any point being alone for that long. And if somebody's in the room with you. A, a nurse or whoever comes in is not necessarily going to be like, who are you? How do you know? Or, you know, they might not ask any questions. They might just be like, oh, you know, hi, I'm just going to do X, Y, Z, whatever and leave. But wouldn't that, I think that should have alerted Shannara that they don't appear to know each other or like she would be doing this. Right. Like, why do you need, why, why is there another nurse coming in when you've already sent this nurse in to be with me? Yeah. I don't know if they just we're not coming around very often or that just seemed to be like red flag numero uno for me that it's like five hours the day it's not overnight but the nurses even overnight would so at the second hospital I was at when I had Jesse the first hospital would not let you send the baby to the nursery they wouldn't take the baby to the nursery they call it rooming in you have to keep the baby with you at all times the second hospital would come And like, they asked me, do you want me to take him for a little bit? We can take him. That way you can get some sleep. And I'm like, is that allowed? Like, so they would take him. They'd bring him back in two hours, maybe three to make sure that he could eat. But typically, I mean, from my experience, they're coming around at least that often to see if you need help 
latching? Do you need formula? Like they provide all that stuff. They have the diapers there. So they're making sure you're stocked with all of that. They're also checking your vitals. All this stuff. It's very strange that they were able to go that long without anybody. And they knew she was alone. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You're fucking check on her. Like, right. I don't know. It, yeah, it seemed very strange to me. Um, but she was there for a super long time. So, you know, they talk. Um, Shannara is letting her hold the baby. Um, anytime that like Shannara was like, oh, can you hand me this, that? Can you hand me the baby? Get her out of the bassinet, like whatever. This woman would do that. I mean, she was just there to help. It, very strange. Um, so Shannara is finally starting to doze off. And it's around three o'clock. Um, and so while she's starting to fall asleep, the nurse picks up Kamaya and says, you know what? You take a nap. I've got to take her to uh, check, her, check her temperature, um, standard stuff. We've got to do just a couple little tests or whatever. And I'll bring her right back. Um, so she's trying to like get out of the room pretty quickly. And then another woman walks in. And this is Velma Akins. This is baby's grandmother. Clay's I'm mother. guessing Craig's. Craig's. Clay. Craig Aiken. Mm-hmm. There's no L. Well, um, you're thinking Clay Aiken. The That's what it was. From He's not what, Clay Aiken, is he? What is that show called? Oh my gosh. Um, that Kelly Clarkson was on. Why can't I think of it? Why can't I think of it? I knew it until you said it. Um, it's not America's Got Talent. Ameri- American Idol. No, American Idol. Thing. Um, yeah, that's why. That's so funny. My brain just said Clay. Wow. Um, nope, Craig. This is Craig. Hey, you guys. Um, it's us again. Yay. It's us. We threw, we threw you for a loop on this one. <laughs> uh, so we know that a lot of you have been asking like WTF where are episodes 1 through 44? And guess what? Now you can have them. So let's just remember, though, we need you to take a little caution here. We didn't know exactly what we were doing back then. And we started this podcast as just a fun thing to do as sisters. We had no idea that it would grow into this super awesome club with you guys. So what we're saying is the audio wasn't super amazing, but the content is 100% us just being us and talking about some true crime with 90s flair. Okay, so... Here are the details. You'll be able to access our, what we're calling OG episodes in your favorite podcast app through a private and custom RSS feed link. So to grab that, head over to killerqueens.link slash OG and snag episodes one through 44 today. That's killerqueens.link slash OG. So she gets there. And she wants to see the baby. I mean, she just got there. And so Shannara is like, do you have to take her right now? Like, her grandmother's here. I want her to be able to hold her. And she's like, listen, listen, listen. It's just going to be super duper quick, standard procedure. Don't you worry about it. Um, And so she did pull the blanket down and was like, now you see her. Now you don't. Like, bye. You saw her. Like, I'll be back later or whatever. Um. So Velma recalled that the nurse had a large bag on her shoulder, which she found pretty odd. And the nurse walks off with Kamaya. Velma goes in the room. About 20 minutes later, Shannara and Velma phoned the nursery to find out when they were going to bring Kamaya back. Because she's, you know, she says it just be a minute. Like, don't worry about it. Um, and they're like, uh, she's not 
she's not here in the nursery. I thought she was in the room with you. And they're like, no. Um, a nurse came in and took her to check her temperature. She said it'd be just a couple of minutes. She hasn't brought her back. And they're like, no, she's supposed to be with you. We don't know anything about that. Um, and they immediately knew something is very, very wrong. And Shannara, who has just given birth hours earlier, she's still, she's super weak. She still can't really walk by herself. She threw herself from the bed onto the floor and drug herself out of the hospital room, like attempting to crawl essentially. And she gets into the hallway and she said, there's like a rail around the you know wall up there. So she grabs onto that to try to pull herself up. And she is screaming for them to find her baby. It's heartbreaking. I can't even imagine. I can't imagine the panic that she was in looking for her baby. Like, and she can't, she can't get up and go look for her. You know, she can't. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's helpless. So, so sad. And at this point, I mean, time has passed since the realization that this woman is not an actual nurse. So that's plenty of time for her to get out of the hospital, to take off wherever she was going. Yeah, exactly. 20 minutes. I mean, you can be on the interstate by then, you know, like, Mm -hmm. yeah. Absolutely. So a code pink was issued immediately and that alerted the hospital that the baby was missing. And Chinara, of course, is devastated. She's thinking like, who was the woman who'd taken her daughter out of her room and just disappeared into thin air? So almost an hour of still not being able to locate Kamaya, the hospital security notified the Jacksonville Police Department. Officers arrived on scene to the University Medical Center and immediately began looking for Kamaya. They're going room to room, floor to floor. They searched bags, parking lots, uh, parked cars, uh, cars leaving the hospital, dumpsters nearby. They looked through surrounding areas. They looked everywhere. And at this time, Shannara is understandably incredibly upset. She was so upset that the staff on the labor and delivery floor felt that they needed to contact security because of her offensive language. Because what's worse than having your baby being abducted and missing? Cursing. Profanity. That's what. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We don't allow that. There's no need to use that type of language here. You guys let somebody come in. And when you find out, when you guys find out what led up to this, And the irresponsibility, which is an understatement of this hospital, how this happened. Mm -hmm. You guys let somebody walk out with my child. Uh Uh-huh. I'm going to drop some F-bombs. Uh, yeah. Officers responded to her room, began questioning her about the events leading up to Kamaya going missing. And Shannara said that the officer who questioned her was super aggressive and accusatory towards her. So now, of course, she's feeling like they're thinking, well, what did you do to help help this happen or make this happen, you know? And they were they were really like leaning towards that. Like they immediately suspected that she had something to do with it. Yeah, some part to play in her child going missing and and that Velma did, too. Uh huh. Yeah, that they set this up somehow to I don't think that they even from what I got from it. It wasn't that the child was missing, is that the child had been handed off to someone else. And yeah. Yeah. And she even said that he punched the side of the bed and he's demanding, like, what, what did you do with Kamaya? Where is she? 
And she's scared. She's emotional. She's angry. She couldn't understand what's happening. She's 15 years old. She's 15. Yeah. This is a child you're talking to. Right. So officers also wanted to talk to the baby's father. Not Clay Aiken. Craig Aiken. Craig. He had been incarcerated for six months on drug charges, like we previously stated. And several officers removed him from his cell and took him into a room. And the bedside manner here. <laughs> so they're like, listen, do you want the good news first or do you want the bad news first? Like we've got we've got them both. So you just let me know which which one which do you, one which, do you which, want which, first? Yeah. And he's he's in jail. Right. So he's like, it can't get any worse. I guess. Give me the good news. And they're like, all right, you have a beautiful, healthy daughter who has been born. Congratulations. Yeah. Um, and he's like, nobody's acting excited about this. Like you'd expect it to be like, here, here, and mazel and all the things. No. Um, so here comes the bad news. Um, she's missing. She's been abducted. Mm-hmm. Right from the hospital. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is not how you do that. No, not even a little bit. Like, in what world? Who who trained these officers to do this? I don't get it. But uh-uh. of course, at this point, they're still thinking that the family has something to do with it, right? So, right. And like, because if you think about any other type of situation, um, they obviously had biases against everybody in this story. You know, Craig is incarcerated. Okay. Well, that doesn't make him exempt from human compassion. Right. He's a human being whose child has just been abducted. If you were going to notify anybody else, hey, your child has been abducted, they would not have done it this way with anybody else. Well, and let's not negate the fact that nowadays in certain states, if you had been arrested on drug charges, you wouldn't be arrested on drug charges because it's legal in a lot of states. So, yeah, I mean, and at that time, it's like, um, you know, and I know that there's still a lot of this out there, but especially then it's like they just they very just obviously viewed him as like, eh, yeah. And maybe that he had something to do with it because um, he's a criminal. Right. He probably sold his baby for money. Right, right. What the fuck? No. So they allowed him to use the phone to speak to Shannara, who is, of course, angry. And she's yelling at Craig that he should have been there to protect her and Kamaya. And he felt so so bad about that too. Right. I, mean, I can't felt even that imagine guilt. Guilt. I, if I had absolutely. Been there. And let's keep in mind, I mean, I can't you can never say like what you would do. I, I couldn't say what I would do in that situation at all. But she's hormonal. She's 15. She's just learned devastating news. Like that anger and fear and frustration and all the things has to come out somewhere. And I hate that it was misdirected maybe, but I can okay. So Officers, they're searching the hospital. They spoke with as many witnesses as they could about whether they'd seen a woman matching the description that Shannara and Velma gave. And after speaking with them, police found that a woman had come into the hospital around 1 a.m. that morning and had been roaming the hallways. Just walking around. Roaming. Who's allowed to do that? 
who should be allowed to do that. So she spoke to many people. She did not appear to be hiding from not nobody. And those who spoke with her said that she was polite and friendly and she hadn't raised any red flags. Except that what? Um, yeah. So in addition to the, the roaming um, and just being weird and just going wherever she wanted to, she spent a lot of time looking into the nursery um, and a lot of time, meaning two hours, she's just looking into the nursery. That's a red flag. Yeah. She's not a mother. No, she's not. As far as they know, she's not a family member, which she's not there to visit anybody. Well, and you would think if if she was, let's say that she was, she wasn't, but let's say that she was, then she would have gone to whatever baby's room, right? To visit and hold the baby. One That's baby. what would happen. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. She's just watching the children for two hours. For two Why hours. Why are we not protecting these children? Tell me about it, and we're going to get there, and I've got some bones to pick with this university medical hospital. So all of the babies born that day were boys, except for Kamaya. And then later on, the woman started asking questions, like if Shannara Mobley had given birth yet, where was her room? Where is she getting all this information, and why are they not like, shouldn't you be getting that from her, like if you know her? 100%, right. I'm guessing that, you know, the little tag on the nursery thing, she could see, you know, the Mobley baby or whatever. But yeah, if if you know this person, shouldn't you have talked to Shannara or have some information about this? But she's also asking, like, when is the baby going to be moved from the nursery to Shannara's room? And no one was alarmed at this. No one had any questions. No red flags were raised about this. So at this time, unfortunately, there are no baby photos of Kamaya. They can't use a picture to search for her, but a composite sketch was made from Shannara's description. And I mean, like little bitty, tiny, brand new newborn babies, there's not very much telling, you know what I mean? Like, And yeah. she, Shannara herself just met her own baby. Like they look like little glowworms. They're so adorable, but it's like, how do you, I don't know. It's right. just, yeah. So the only thing that they had of Kamaya was two footprints made in ink on a piece of paper. And there was also no clear image of the woman from the hospital surveillance. So they were forced to make another composite sketch based off of the description from witnesses. They gave a description on the news of a black woman, approximately 5'5". She is at this point 150 to 160 pounds possibly wearing a wig. And the sketches were distributed throughout Jacksonville. Possibly wearing a wig. Okay. Well, let me look around. Uh, She might be possibly wearing a wig, I guess. Or she might have possibly been wearing a wig earlier, but then took it off. Mm. That's what you want to look for. Yeah. Look around for somebody who may have worn a wig at some point. Here I am. I know. Shannara wasn't only concerned about where her daughter was, but she was also worried about her daughter's health. So Kamaya had been taken before state-required neonatal tests could be performed. She's hours old at this point. And Shannara carried the gene for sickle cell disease and had contracted group B strep infection while she was pregnant. Kamaya was also born with an umbilical hernia, which is a bulging of the intestines through the abdominant... Mm. Abdominant? Ooh. Is that a- <laughs> oh my gosh. Manamana. <laughs> Manamana. I where what was I doing? What was that about? It's one of the easiest words 
I, I could have picked any other word in there to have messed up. And here I am fucking up abdomen. 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 Dear God. Um, okay, so it's a bulging of the intestines through the abdomen in the area of the belly button underneath the skin. Mm-hmm. So the protrude. Mm-hmm. See, now I'm going to, it's, I've, I, what I've done now is I've created an environment for me to mess everything up after this. So you've broken the seal. The protrusion was about the size of a fist, and doctors were concerned that it could rupture, particularly if it wasn't monitored and treated within the first six months of her life. That's a large hernia. For I mean, a teeny tiny baby teeny the size of a fist? Come on. Yeah. Um, also, the group B strep test that they make you do when you're pregnant is uh, very uncomfortable. Hmm. Because you hear strep and you think throat. Swab, right? Yeah. They swab you right in the bee hole. Oh, no. I was thinking another area. Oh, no. No, I wish. I wish. Yeah. Okay. And they make you Mm -hmm. do it at like six, seven months or something like that. I can't remember, but not my baby. Yeah. I don't blame you. Yeah. But this is just like, it's so, it's so dangerous. Like, you know, depending on what this person is going to do with the child or whatever, I guess. But like, I mean, either way, it's so dangerous because, yeah, she's got these conditions that need to be either tested or treated. And as a, you know, as a mother, is she hungry? Is she scared? Is she sad? Is she being taken care of? Is she getting medical care? Like, right. Well, and I think this goes without saying, but. That's not your baby. You don't have the right to, it's not, it's not up to you to get her proper medical care because that's my baby. So don't, Mm -hmm. don't take something that's not yours, especially if it's just, don't take somebody else's baby. A human being. I'm thinking honestly of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the remake with Jessica Biel wearing pants, almost showing her front butt. Remember? Mm -hmm. You've seen it. And she stumbles on up to the um, the camper or whatever that it's like. What, what do they call it? A streamline or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, and they have the baby, and she's like, "She's not your baby." And she then they drug her. It's yeah. Oh yeah! Wow. With the T. Yeah. Wow. Um, I hate that movie. Um, I know. I actually love it. I mean, it's well made, but it scares me. Well, of course it does. Yes. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. So the police continued to expand their search. Uh, They were quick to get Shannara on TV in hopes of garnering sympathy from the abductor. 
imagine that. I mean, I'm surprised because they didn't seem to believe believe her. her. Yeah. Yeah. Watching her on the news during that time. Sad. I mean, she is devastated is not even the right. There, I don't think that there's a word to describe how upset she was. It's no. very heartbreaking to see. Um, five days after the abduction, the hospital put up a $50,000 reward for information or the location of Kamaya Mobley. The tips began pouring into the police station. An employee at a car repair shop called 911 because a woman came in with a small infant, both who he thought resembled the sketches. Uh, Police tracked down the woman's doctor who confirmed that this baby was in fact hers. Um, And there were hundreds of similar calls coming in and police were investigating all of them. And this became national news. I mean, it was obviously a very, very big deal there in Jacksonville, but it quickly got picked up by national stations. And a lot of people were very interested in this. Well, Uh, see, I want to say thank God it did because... We know from the description of the of the episode that it she took her out of state. It, and it's just so hard, too, because like even if even if they had had a photo of Kamaya to be able to circulate of her being less than eight hours old mm-hmm. in two days from then, she looked completely different. Right. Babies change so quickly. So it's like. I mean, you're just you're screwed. I mean, you can't. You literally cannot, the only other thing to do would be every single woman who has a child who vaguely resembles the description. Like, you can't do that. That's too many people, you know? Like, yeah, it's just, it's just crazy. Um, So CNN aired her story. America's Most Wanted aired a short segment on their 10th anniversary episode. A week later, they aired a longer uh, segment, which produced several hundred more leads. Investigators continued to follow up on leads, and they canvassed areas around the hospital. Um, The Jacksonville sheriff said he thought the disappearance would be quickly solved. I think you can say we hope. Mm -hmm. Why? What made like why was that something that they were trying to say to be like people don't be scared that there's somebody going to snatch your kids. This is probably a one-off thing, and like we'll solve it really quickly. Don't worry about that. Or the sheriff was up for re-election. I mean, and, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can say that because they had nothing. I mm-hmm. mean, we know that. They had absolutely nothing. They had no, hardly any surveillance from the hospital. They had um, witnesses, but nobody really had, you know, they had maybe a composite sketch, but they had nothing. And they right. had a, you know, 20-minute delay before they even realized that she she was missing. Mm-hmm. So what 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 makes you then be like, well, it's we're going to solve it pretty quickly, though. I think. Yeah, they're not vanilla ice like. Doesn't happen that quick. So. Um, eventually, investigators made a request to the public that if anyone saw a black woman with an infant age black baby girl to call them. That ought to do it. So we saw how well that went for Maleficent in um, the great classic Sleeping Beauty, where all of her little helper guys kept looking for a baby. For 16 years. 
for 16 years. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then she was like, did you think that that baby was going to grow up? Maybe. But anyway. no, you told us to look for a baby. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, law enforcement convened to re-interview and talk to each other and to the witnesses from the hospital that day, kind of going back over whatever information they had, which again, was not much. I mean, because for whatever reason, this woman loitering in front of the nursery doesn't appear to be there with anybody. Is just hanging out. Oh, and by the way, she's wearing scrubs, but we know she doesn't work here. Yeah, nobody can place her. Oh, she's Diane from, you know, the ICU or something. And if she was Diane from the ICU, she wouldn't be standing here for two hours watching these babies in the nursery. And why Nobody can do that. Why didn't anyone ever think maybe Shannara needs something in the five hours that she was by herself, according to the medical staff? Why? I just, yeah. so many, so Yeah, so like many. nothing resonated with any of these people as out of the ordinary, so they just didn't pay attention. So now they have basically no information because they were like, I don't know, I saw this woman and I didn't think anything about it and I kept on about my day. Like, whatever. Absolutely. Got nothing for you. Um, the reward for Kamaya's return increased to $250,000. Though it was clear that Kamaya had been abducted, investigators were still very suspicious of Shinara and her family. Um, they thought that maybe one of them had been involved with the woman that had abducted Kamaya. Could you imagine being uh, Shannara or anybody in the family, Craig, any of them, to be like having to defend yourself while you're grieving the loss of your child and wondering, is she alive somewhere? Is is she safe? Is she healthy? Like all these things. And having to be like, I didn't do this. Yeah. And I can't remember the exact statistic that what... Um, 800,000 children go missing every year in the United States. Mm -hmm. 150 of them are stranger abductions. 90% of those are never found. Um, I understand you. Yes, you need to start in and work your way out. But there's, there's no evidence that Shannara, Craig, Velma, any of these people knew this woman. They've never found any evidence to connect them to it. And they have the surveillance footage. Now, of course, they don't have good enough surveillance footage to create a a picture to be like, hey, have you seen this woman? But they have it where they, okay, this woman came in and and obviously took the baby. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah. And you don't have Shannara making phone calls to somebody from the hospital. You don't have any phone records. You don't have anything that you don't have a large deposit into Shannara's bank account or a large sum of cash that she's just come across. Like there's nothing to connect any of that. So like, yeah, you, you need to investigate all the angles and I understand starting from the inside and working your way out, but you don't have anything to back it up. Right. And you also have the surveillance footage showing this mystery woman with a loitering. Yeah. And with a large bag and watching and waiting and asking the questions. When will this happen? When will this happen? When will this happen? If she was in cahoots with Shannara, she should know know this information. information. Yeah, exactly. She would have gotten that from, like, yeah. Um, Craig, uh, Kamaya's father, you know, he had been incarcerated at the time of her birth and abduction. He had been released at this point. 
And then they immediately rearrested him for statutory rape because Shannara was underage when he got her pregnant. Um, Craig said that when he was in jail, investigators were trying to get him to tell them what Shannara did with the baby. And he was like, I never for a second thought that Shannara had anything to do with it. If you look at this woman, again, Which like, woman? like Shannara? I said, Shannara, devastation doesn't even begin to describe what she was going through. I mean, unless she is a Grammy, a Grammy, an Emmy, a Tony, Oscar, what do Oscar, Oscar award winning actress. You know, or whichever one she wants. I don't know which one she likes best, but. Right. Not a Razzie, though. It's like worst movie ever made. Oh, they get a Razzie. Okay, yeah, no. I mean, that wouldn't be it because she did a fantastic job. Like, to see her and how distraught she was, I'm just like. You can't fake that kind. I'm sorry, but I don't. You cannot fake what she, the emotion that she had in that moment. I'm sorry. You just can't. No. And of course, you know. At some point, she has to go home. Um, she gets home and she walks into this room that she'd prepared to bring her baby girl back to. And she doesn't have her baby girl to bring back. And she became just so depressed. She fell into such a deep depression. She attempted suicide a few times. She tried to overdose on Benadryl. Um, she said that she'd be out driving and just think, maybe I should just drive off this cliff. Maybe that would be better. Um, I just cannot imagine the pain that that all of them went through, but especially Shannara. And, you know, leads would come in, but they always ended up being dead ends. So listen to what the fuck this hospital um, did not do. Yeah. This will be the point that, like, you're going to need to throw everything out the window. Yeah. Yes. And then come back in and finish the episode, hopefully. But and throw yourself out again, probably. But yes, yes. So of course, they're the family, Shannara and her family, they're still in disbelief that someone could have walked into the hospital with a newborn baby or walked out of the hospital, excuse me, walked in, taken a newborn baby that wasn't theirs and walked right out again, right? So they decided to sue the hospital for lack of security oversight. And listen, doors to the stairwell well, wells were not locked. Um, the surveillance video system didn't work properly. And in 1992, this is six years before Kamaya's abduction. And then again, four months before Kamaya's kidnapping, the hospital was told to do better and to increase security. In 1992, a security review urged the hospital to place electronic bracelets on all the newborns. So an alarm would go off if the bracelet passed through certain doors. And they also urged them to strictly monitor maternity ward visitors. Oh, so you do know you're supposed to do that. You do know that random people aren't supposed to sit there for hours watching newborn babies that aren't theirs. Or if somebody is coming in and saying, hey, what room is this person in? When's the baby going to get there? Yeah, See that baby there? Which room is she going to go to? Yeah. How long until she goes to that? Why do you not have this information? Like, right. And nobody is thinking like, well, who, who the hell person are you? Well, exactly. Like both times I like when I had the boys, you when you check into the hospital in labor and delivery, they gave me a little passcode. It was like a four digit passcode. I didn't choose it. They came up with it. It was random, like whatever. And 
I either gave information to like, you know, family or like Andrew probably because I was like having a baby. But um, yes, I remember the text message. (laughs) Either you get the information from, you know, them or if you do need to call to the hospital because, you know, we ended up having a C-section. So at some point we're in, you know, surgery or whatever. Um, you can call the hospital and get information, but you have to have that passcode. If you don't have the passcode, if you don't know the code, you don't get the information. Right. You have to be given that passcode. So that's the first thing I sent to everybody. Here's my passcode. If you need information from the hospital, that's what it is. Right. And the boys are born. They get that little bracelet. It was around their little ankles, but they put it right around them. And I had one that matched it. And so every time they came in the room, they'd scan the baby, they'd scan me. If it doesn't match, you know. I mean, they made sure it matched. And it also, if the child was taken off that floor, mm-hmm. an alarm would go off. As it should be. Like, I this is not, I just, okay, yeah. <sighs> so obviously none of these measures had been implemented. Despite the fact, mm-hmm, okay. this is where you're going to want to re-throw yourself out. All of your stuff, all of these bags back here, my clueless dolls out out of the window out um so so the hospital had the opportunity to do so when they opened a new wing in 1994 and in 1994 a woman reported having she had uh, been raped in an elevator in the hospital that was stopped between floors and then in 1996 a woman left the hospital with her two-day-old baby that she did not have custody of due to a history of child abuse and the child was still missing when Kamaya was abducted you mean to tell me mm-hmm. yeah. another baby was abducted from the same hospital Yeah, in 1996 and they still did not see fit two years before mm-hmm. to do any of the security, security, any of the security measures. Oh, and on top of that, we're not even going to worry about who's in and out of here. No. Public domain at this point. Right. I'm pretty sure they have higher security measures than this hospital did at the fucking public library. I'll tell you who has great security measures, Chuck E. Cheese. Because when you go into Chuck E. Cheese, like you come in as, you know, whoever you're with or whatever. Sure. They put a little stamp on each of your hands and it everybody, the stamp has a number on it. So like if I'm there with the boys, we all three get a stamp on our hand. And then when you go to leave, you have to go through the thing and the guy shines the light and make sure that your number matches. And if it doesn't match, you ain't getting out with that kid. Good for them. Because I never thought about that kind of stuff. Like, uh-huh. uh, I mean, you can, kids can be snatched up from anywhere, unfortunately and terrifyingly enough. But it never occurred to me. It's been a long time since I've been to Chuck E. Cheese, though. Mm-hmm. I would like to go again. It's great fun. But, you know, there's other places that I've taken the boys to, to, you know, play or go do stuff. Science Center or or whatever. And there's a place in particular that gets very crowded. Um, There's just tons of stuff going on. It's kind of dark in there because they have like kind of fun, you know, light. Fluorescent lights. It feels like a um, rave in there, honestly. It's very loud. All this stuff. yeah. Yeah. Um, but they don't have any of that. And I always get stressed out going there because the, the little different areas that they can play in are kind of spread out. It's a, it's a big place. And if there's enough kids there and you've got one kid wanting to do this and one kid wanting to do that, and you can't keep like, 
anybody could walk out with the kids. So like they keep asking to go to this place. And I'm like, especially over like Christmas break, I was like, no, there's too many people there. We might go at four o'clock in the afternoon after school one day when there ain't nobody else there. But like, it makes me nervous. Like, I feel like everybody should do what Chuck E. Cheese does. I agree. Because you can't. Yeah, it's a little bit extra work. It takes some extra time. It might be extra expense. But what is the other side of that? Mm -hmm. You cannot risk this. Well, and guess what? You should be sued if you are responsible for somebody, somebody's um, kidnapping or abduction. But that's a lot more expensive. I guarantee it. It's a lot more expensive than just implementing these tiny in comparison safety measures. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's everything that's going on in Jacksonville. Now we're going to go to South Carolina. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. So in the teeny little town of Ruffin, South Carolina, in July of 1998, a woman opened her front door to find her daughter, 32-year-old Gloria Williams, standing with a tiny baby girl in her arms. Gloria told her mother that she'd been born in in a Charleston hospital and that she'd just caught a ride to Ruffin afterwards. And her mom had upwards of one million questions and was asking her a bunch of questions. And Gloria was like, just, just look how beautiful your granddaughter is. Like, just, just hold her, you know? And like, let's not, let's not do all these questions and business now. Let's, let's just enjoy the baby or whatever. Um. So she told her that her name was Alexis Kelly Manigo. And um, Gloria had, excuse me, I have something in my eye. Uh, Gloria had had some issues leading up to this. Uh, she'd been married to a military officer, but had uh, ended up getting a divorce. She grew up mostly in New York City, but she uh, often visited her grandparents who had lived in South Carolina. After her divorce, she wanted to take herself and her two boys, Andre and Antoine, to where she felt most at home, and that was South Carolina. Gloria and her boys moved across the street from her parents, and she was hired to work at a nursing home and a Holiday Inn Reservation Center. She eventually moved to the nearby small town called Walterboro. In 1997, Gloria had entered into a relationship with a man who ended up being physically abusive. When Antoine and Andre's father found out, he went for custody. He did not Mm -hmm. want his sons living in a physically abusive household, and you cannot blame him. Um, So she ended up losing custody of her sons. The boys moved in with their father in Virginia, and then, you know, that leaves Gloria and this man that she's with. 
And when she found out she was pregnant, Gloria said that her partner at the time promised he'd stop hitting her. But unfortunately, that wasn't the case. Um, Gloria, unfortunately, miscarried, and she attributed that to the stress that she was under from all the abuse. And the thing is, though, she didn't tell anybody she'd lost the baby. And I don't know if that was because she was holding on to the hope that he would lighten up on things while she was pregnant, or I don't know. We don't have that information from her point of view. And it's important to remember that all of these things are, I mean, it, it, it does seem like her claim of abuse, you know, I don't, I don't doubt that at all. I guess what I'm saying is Gloria is not the most honest person we've ever met. Um, right. But the fact that her husband or ex-husband had gone after custody of her, their kids, supposedly because of this abuse, that kind of lends credibility to her story. But um, for whatever her reason was, she never told anybody that she miscarried. She just continued to go on as if she was pregnant. Now, I have also heard her tell people um that she didn't realize that she miscarried when she did. I've heard her kind of both stories. I watched a lot of her sentencing hearing um, online. She testified in that. Um, yeah. There have been times where she has said that she she didn't know that she miscarried when she did. She said that she continued to get bigger. She continued to gain weight. She continued well. to feel pregnant. So she says she didn't know it and that she didn't realize that she'd miscarried until like that day that she stole Kamaya. But then other people, she's told that she did know that she miscarried. She just didn't tell anybody. I don't know. On the night of July the 9th, 1998, Gloria left work. In her own words, um, she felt out of control. She felt lost. She felt like she wasn't in her right mind. Um, you know, she'd lost her baby. She'd lost her two sons. She was lying to everybody in her life about still being pregnant. She didn't really know what to do. So she said she got into her car to drive home, which is presumably very nearby. It's a small town. Um, but she ended up in Jacksonville, Florida by accident at the University Medical Center, 200 miles away. Here's my question. Okay, yeah, I'll hear it. What are the fucking odds that she just got in the car and just autopilot took over and she was just driving aimlessly and had no idea where she was going and she ends up at a hospital who has had repeated security violations and breaches and just two years earlier had a child abducted from their hospital. And was ne not found. And the child has not been found. And they know who the mother was that took that baby. Mm -hmm. And she lives 200 miles away. What are the odds she just happens to show up at this particular hospital? And the thing is... And walks out with a baby and she wasn't planning to. 100%, right. The thing is, because, you know, the 90s, 98, that was... It was a long time ago. It too long and for me it hurts. Um, but it was a while ago. But the fact that in '94 they were trying to implement 
these safety measures in this hospital. It's not like it was so long ago that it's like, well, people could just come in. It was a different time or whatever. Like, no, this was supposed to be as safe as safe could be, especially for the time, because technology as safe as technology would allow for them at that point, right? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Why would she pick this? Why would she just magically, coincidentally end up at this hospital where it would have been very easy for her to go in, take a baby, and leave? Now, I haven't done a full study on every hospital between Walterboro and Jacksonville, Florida. Sure. And what, you know, the safety measures and what children ever been abducted from them. But I just wonder did some kind of story come out in the newspaper about this at some point or, you know, like, I don't know. I just, how would she, that's quite, because everywhere else, the standard is the things that they asked this hospital to do that they refused to do. Right. So everywhere else, you wouldn't just be able to wander around the maternity ward. You wouldn't be able to stand there for two hours. You wouldn't be able to just walk in and do whatever you want. No. You wouldn't be able to take a child off of the maternity or labor and delivery floor without an alarm going off. Sure. Absolutely. I, I it's agree. It's too much of a risk. How did she, you know? Yeah. Anyway. I don't know. But she said she didn't know, know. She just ended up there. So according to Gloria, she said that at this point, she's just on autopilot. She's just driving. And she walks into the hospital. She goes through the hallways. She eventually makes her way to the maternity wing. And she looked through the glass at the nursery and she thought about the baby that she'd lost. And again, this is all from Gloria. Her, This is her telling of what she was going through and what she was feeling. So she saw that there was only one baby girl in the nursery. And Gloria eventually asked the nurse when the Mobley baby would be moved to her mother's room. Around 10 a.m., she entered Shannara's room and introduced herself as a nurse, saying that she was just there to help. She helped the teenager get cleaned up. She helped her change. She oohed and awed over Shannara's beautiful baby girl. She even held her for a while. When Shannara asked for her to put Kamaya in her bassinet or to hand her to her, Gloria would do it. She sat in the room for almost five hours, like we talked about. She talked to Shannara, who clearly wanted the help in the company, and she's there by herself. Around 3 p.m., as the new mother started to fall asleep, Gloria picked up the baby girl and told Shannara that she was going to go take the baby's temperature, then walked out of the room with her, and a nurse stopped her and told her, yes, she stopped her and she told her, hey, you're not allowed to carry newborns around um, around the hospital in your arms. She needs to be in a bassinet. I don't care where you're going. I don't care who you are. Put that baby in a bassinet before you leave the room. I don't care that you're wearing scrubs and I know that you don't work here, which I'm not saying that like if you're a nurse somewhere else, you can't go into a hospital, like whatever. But this person, if she's just there to visit somebody, she's not going to take the baby out of the room. Well, I didn't think because if I was if I was visiting you guys in the hospital, I wouldn't be like, hey, I'm going to go walk. I'm just going to go take I'm going to go walk in around. Yeah, that's not allowed. It's not allowed. The only people, as far as I knew, that were allowed to take the baby to and from would have been the nurse who worked there. The nurses on that floor, like every nurse typically has the floor they work on. They know everybody else on the floor. Working at that time. Yes. It's no surprise that like, and they work 12 hour shifts, seven to seven, and then seven to seven. Like it's three o'clock in the afternoon. You haven't been here. Like, I don't know who you are. We don't let everybody just walk around with the babies, but their their concern was, well, she's not in a bassinet. Go get her in a bassinet. Mm-hmm. Do whatever you're going to do. I don't care what you do, but get her in a bassinet. Right. Yes. Are you serious? Uh-huh. 
So Gloria goes back in the room. She puts her in the bassinet. She gets the pacifier. And then here comes Velma. So Gloria was startled. And she gave Velma a quick little peek at Kamaya. And then she steps out of the room. And she placed Kamaya in the large purse that she had on her shoulder and walks out of the room, out of the hospital, and drove straight to South Carolina. And this is a really, really big bag. I mean, think about this. This is an eight-pound baby presumably 20-something inches long. Think about your purse that you carry right now, even if it's kind of a big purse. You can't stuff a baby in it, and you got a bunch of other shit in there mm-hmm. that you can't put put a child inside of that. This is more like a duffel bag that clearly had to be empty because she was going to take a baby out with her. Right. This is not, oh, this is my normal purse, and I carry this on my shoulder all the time because you know how much stuff do you keep in your purse? Like there's a lot of random stuff in there and you could you could not safely put a child in it. Right, absolutely. There's just no way. She's just like, oh, it was just my purse. I had no idea. It was <laughs> there's just so much wrong. There's so, at, at every turn in this, so much wrong. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. So she gets to South Carolina. She had everything ready at her home for the baby. I don't know how she, if she had a car seat in her car or not. That's what, one so. of the things that I'm, I was wondering. I'm assuming that she did because as far as her boyfriend knew, she was preparing to have this child anyway. I don't know. Um, her boyfriend at the time is now in custody. We're not sure exactly why, but he was in, in jail. Um, he was excited that the baby was born. He suggested the name Alexis and Gloria called her Lexi for short. Um, Antoine and Andre doted on their baby sister. Antoine had two nicknames for his sister, Skittles because it was her favorite candy or Mrs. Me Too because she had to be part of everything. Alexis grew up like most children. She danced, she cheered, she participated in the girls' youth program. Uh, Gloria instilled her passion for God in Alexis, and the two were extremely active in their local church. Alexis did really well in school. She always made the honor roll. She was even offered a spot in a junior pre-med program at Wake Forest University. That's a big deal. Heck yeah, it is. She wanted to be a veterinarian when she grew up. Uh, Gloria did everything she could think of to make sure that it looked like Alexis was really her daughter. She kept mementos around the house to support her lies. So she had altered a pink hospital tag that would come from the hospital's nursery bassinet to say Manigo baby or Manigo. I'm not sure how you say it. Yeah. Um, she altered a birth certificate to match Alexis's and her name. 
She used the social security number of a dead man to register Alexis for school. Uh, Gloria told Alexis that her biological father was a man named Charles Manigo, Manigo, I don't know, who she'd broken up with before Alexis was born. Um, He did testify. He paid child support on this child for 18 years. Mm-hmm. Like he, he legit thought this was his child. Um, Alexis also considered Gloria's new husband, Renoski Williams. Oh no, Renoski Williams, because he just went by Oski. I, I watched his testimony too. Um, to to be her father as well. He he lived with them. I believe at the time of the trial, he said they'd gotten married six years before that, and they dated a year before that. So he came into her life around like eleven or twelve or something like that. Right, um, but a good amount of time with him in her in the home yeah, with them. She yeah. seemed to be very close with him, and at the time of the sentencing, he was still married to Gloria. I'm not sure if they are still married now, but he was very complimentary of her. They were like, you know, are you married? Who are you married to? He's like, my beautiful wife, Gloria Williams. And, um, you know, but it was funny when they were asking, uh, him what her two sons' names were. I, I, obviously he was very nervous because he's testifying. He's like, um, Antoine and, uh, oh, I forgot the other one's name. Like, he could not think of the Aww. other kid's name. <laughs> Everything falls right out of your head when you're nervous, you know? I know. He just, like, could not think of it. But, um, I mean, at this point, she's getting away with it. Everybody believes that this is her child. Mm-hmm. Um, she had been pregnant before. She brought a baby home. I guess there was just enough time in between her seeing people that they were just like, that makes sense. Like, right. I don't know. But I mean, you know, at this point, uh, Alexis is in high school. Yeah. So she's like, I've done it. Mm-hmm. Like out of the woods for sure. So on January 12th, 2017, a car pulled up to Shannara Mobley's house in Jacksonville. She was watching TV inside with a friend. Police knocked on the front door, and the first thing that Shannara said was, y'all found my baby? This is 18 years later. Mm-hmm. The officer Did wouldn't you tell her- my baby? Yeah. <sighs> yeah. And the officer wouldn't tell her what was going on. No. Nope. But nonchalantly asked Shannara to come to the police headquarters in downtown Jacksonville the following morning at 1030. So she's having to wait the rest nope. of that day. Nope. Good part Are of- Are you serious? The next morning. Uh-huh. Yeah. They didn't tell her anything else. They left. They also went to Velma's house afterwards and told her the same exact thing. And the only thing that officer said was that they had a new lead in the case of missing Kamaya. Yeah, but we don't want to talk about it now. We're going to talk about it no. later. Yeah. Don't ask. We're not telling you anything. So on January 13th, neighbors on a street in Walterboro, South Carolina, looked outside to see multiple police cars outside of the home of the now 51-year-old, or then, excuse me, 51-year-old Gloria Williams. Neighbors worried that something might have happened to one of the family members. And when Gloria's neighbors, friends, and family found out why the police were at Gloria's house, they were obviously beyond shocked. So down in Florida, Shannara, Velma, and Craig were notified that Kamaya had been found and she was alive and well. Shannara said that it was an odd scene in the police department and that nobody seemed to think it was a big deal. And she later found out that it took police 12 hours after DNA confirmation to inform her that her daughter had been found. 
Police revealed that they'd received a tip from the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, um, the NICMIC, that Alexis, I'm going to go with Manigo. Alexis Manigo had been abducted by Gloria Williams in Jacksonville in 1998. And the NICMIC had reportedly received two tips, one from a friend that said Gloria had confessed to them and someone who said that they heard it from Alexis herself. From Alexis. So two years before Gloria's arrest, Alexis got upset with Gloria because she couldn't provide her the documents that she needed to apply for her first job. And I've heard that Gloria was like, listen, you're in school. You don't need a job. It's not that big of a deal. And when Alexis pushed further, Gloria eventually told her, yeah, you've been kidnapped. Um, and Yeah. Was- yeah. She's like, I'm not your mother. And she's mm-hmm. like, oh, I was adopted. She's like, no. no not adopted and it's like well okay then what and yeah, then what are like, the other options here i kidnapped you she's like can you imagine oh my no gosh. i cannot imagine poor child <sighs> and alexis used the internet and she was ultimately able to piece everything together and she even called shanara once but she hung up when shanara answered alexis felt that despite what gloria had done she was still the woman who raised her and she and this loved is the only her. mom that yeah. she knew. Yeah. They were very, very close. They, yes. from what I understand, still are. Mm-hmm. In the police department in Jacksonville, a victim's advocate was brought in to help the family, and Shannara was confused and upset that the advocate kept referring to her daughter as Alexis. Regardless, she was unbelievably excited to FaceTime with her daughter. But, I mean, the scene at the police station still felt strange to Shannara. Gloria was charged with kidnapping and interfering with the custody of a child and taken into custody. And when Alexis was finally able to see her mom in a holding cell, and I say mom, according to Alexis, she cried telling the judge that her mother wasn't a felon. Police remained suspicious of Shannara and her family, though, and continued searching for a connection between her and Gloria. But there was none. Guys, you done did that. There's nothing there. They, what a, mm. they're like, so, we, we know she did it. Yeah. Even though literally 18 years later, we knock on the door to her house and she says, you found my baby. Right. I'm waiting for you to find my baby. Yeah. Where is she, like, if she knew what happened to her, uh, whatever. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Craig and Shannara drove to Walterboro immediately to reunite with their daughter On January 14th, the two walked into the police department where Alexis was waiting. Alexis later said that she did a double take when she saw Craig. Y'all, they are twins. Mm -hmm. They look the same. Mm -hmm. They are both goofy. They've got like, they're just got really good senses of humor. They're very similar. Um, Facial features, I feel like they have very similar. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, um... They both seem very just happy people. And despite everything. Very, I feel like level mm-hmm. headed in a way. You know what I mean? Like they're very, um, yeah. Like, I don't know. Seem like very easy to get along with. Very. There's an emotional maturity there too on both of their parts. Absolutely. And when they, you know, when they talk about things, it's just very like, there's just a, I think a high level of emotional maturity for both I of agree. them. 
So they got to spend about 45 minutes together. They even took their first selfie. Um, And if you look this case up online, you'll see this picture. So Alexis is in between Craig and Shannara. Um, They told her that she had 13 brothers and sisters from both sides of the family in Florida. Can you imagine just one, like, in a span of, I don't even know how many days, but like, let's say 45 minutes, according to this, you're like, I have 13 brothers and sisters all of a sudden. Like, right. Yeah. Like, what? wow. Um, she, so Craig by this point had, uh, gotten married to a woman named Shannon and then Shannara had gone on to have other children too. Um, and it seemed like a huge weight had been lifted from Shannara and Craig. Um, underneath all this though, Alexis was incredibly confused. She was sad. She was angry. She's very upset. I mean, she was happy to meet Shannara and Craig, but she missed Gloria. Again, that, that is the mother that she grew up with. Um, and she didn't have a valid ID at this point because she'd never been issued an ID. She still had to go through all of this paperwork. So she couldn't even visit Gloria because you have to have a valid ID to visit somebody in jail. Um, Gloria was being held without bail due to her being too much of a flight risk. She was transferred to a prison in Jacksonville to await trial. Alexis called Gloria every day. The two sent letters back and forth. And Shannara really, really struggled with this. She could not understand Alexis needing and wanting to still speak to Gloria. Um, I think she just kind of assumed that when they found her and when you know, especially Kamaya, Alexis, knowing that she'd been kidnapped, that she would just immediately shut that relationship down and it would all be her and Shannara. And um, that just was not the case. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it it reminds me a little bit of the Netflix uh, documentary I just called My Dad. Okay. And... Um, or Steven Strainer, Stainer, excuse me, Steven Stainer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because like when Teresa is reunited with him, this is, I'm forgetting his name. Anthony, is it Anthony? Anthony. Uh, oh. Anthony. AJ. AJ, yeah. When she's reunited with him, she says, I'm his mother. I know all the good times that we had together. He doesn't remember any of that. Right. He doesn't view me as his mother. I have to let him come around to me because he had this other family. You know, he was, no matter how you feel about the relationship, his dad's, you know, wife, his stepmom, that's who he grew up with. Mm -hmm. So he wasn't viewing his biological mom necessarily as his mom. And she was willing to give him that time. It was hard for her. But she knew she had to because, you know, through no fault of her own, she'd missed out on those years. Um, So a few months after Gloria's arrest, the first Mother's Day since Alexis was found came. Shannara thought she would hear from her, but she didn't. Um, Then she got really upset when she found out that Alexis had sent two cards to the prison to Gloria for Mother's Day. Um. It wasn't the only thing that bothered her, though, about the relationship. Alexis would respond to Kamaya if, like, she, Craig, or her brothers or sisters called her Kamaya, but other people still referred to her as Alexis, and that bothered her that she didn't correct them. She didn't stop calling Gloria mom. Um, 
she said that she wasn't going to stop loving her or other members of her, you know, family from South Carolina. Um, and she felt, Janara felt that Alexis loved Craig, but not her. And, uh, she struggled with that. Uh, Kamaya and Craig got along really well. They hung out often. Craig would go visit her in Walterboro. Um, he said that it felt like they never had time apart. They just picked it right back up kind of thing. And she just didn't feel that she had the same kind of easygoing relationship. Um, and then they didn't speak for a while. Shania, Shanara and Kamaya. Yes. Or Alexis, excuse me. And I know it's so hard because now, like, I think now she mainly, I think, goes by Kamaya on her Facebook. She goes under the name Kamaya. But during this time, she's going back and forth. I mean, that's got to be so hard for her. Absolutely. I mean, you know, because she's like, well, I'm Alexis here, but I'm Kamaya here. And in order to not upset anybody else, she just let them call her whatever they wanted to call her. Mm -hmm. She wouldn't pick. She didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. It's just so hard for it's her. Sad, yes. Um, so they didn't speak for a month. And then Shanara had called, um, I'm sorry, Alexis called Shanara in July and said, What are we gonna do for my birthday? And she's like, Nothing. I didn't get anything for Mother's Day. We're not doing anything for your birthday. And she said in an article, article, article <laughs> or interview that she like I it she said, I don't tolerate disrespect or something like that. So she she blocked Kamaya on her phone. She wouldn't accept phone calls from her, anything like that. Um, Craig had a different approach. He said, look, I don't like Gloria, but she does. She loves her. And if she wants to talk about her, I let her talk about her. And if she needs to talk about her, she can talk about her. And I don't badmouth her. Mm-hmm. To Kamaya because it still is her mother. You know, that's a relationship that she needs and still wants. It's not my favorite. I wouldn't choose that, but it's how it is. And I'm going to let her have that piece of her life. That's an amazing, amazing and amazingly selfless thing to be able to do. Yeah. And he's just like, it's not going to help anybody to do it any other way, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So... Gloria ends up, instead of going to trial, she ends up taking a plea deal because they were going to try and sentence her with life in prison. So she takes a plea deal if she pled guilty. So she was sentenced to, um, the max will be 22 years minus, uh, minus, minus time served. Um, and Alexis said at the time, she was like, look, I know that she, there was a crime committed. So there has to be a punishment rendered. I just don't want it to be a super, super long time. Um, so she ended up getting a sentence to 18 years and she'd have to do 85% of that before she can get um, parole. And she did submit a request in 2022 to file for early release, but the judge uh, denied that. So she's still in jail at this point. Um, and as of most recently, and based on her social media, like we said, Alexis is now going by the name Kamaya Mobley, at least on Facebook. Uh, her Instagram shows both of her names and her bio reads Florida baby, but the South raised me. She has posted uh, photos of her with Shannara and Craig calling them mom and dad. 
Shannara gave birth to, like we said, she had other children after Kamaya's abduction, and she credited these children with saving her life and renewing her purpose after the kidnapping. And it does seem like the relationship between Shannara, Craig, and their once missing child has finally started to strengthen and grow. And I saw an interview with her where she said, I just have so much love. I have three families. Like, you know, she kind of, at least publicly, is viewing it as a blessing and trying to stay as upbeat and positive about it as she possibly can. Right. I cannot imagine, no matter which way you look at it, um, everyone has been affected. Everybody in this case has been affected, which always happens. But still, it's like there's no there's no winner here, honestly. Um, Lori obviously broke the law and should not have done what she did. And I cannot imagine stealing someone else's baby, kidnapping them from their hospital anytime. Never. I just can't imagine it. But no, um, I can't imagine Alexis. I, I just can't imagine. I just no. And there was a movie that I think what Lifetime did on this and uh, the Mobley family was very much not in support of that. They said that it kind of almost seemed to send the message that like, well, it's okay to kidnap a child as long as you give them a good life after, you know? And and even the name of it, I think it was called Kidnapped by My Mother. Uh And Craig was like, that was a slap in the face. That was not her mother. Right, absolutely. I don't know. So, you know, you... She did, she, she did give her, quote, a good life for being a kidnapped child. Like, but look at the mess. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's just horrible. Absolutely. But that's it. I mean, this is, guys, uh, is this the only, well, other than Steven Stainer, the only case that we've covered where the child is recovered? As far as I know, yes. I mean, it's very, very rare. Unless you count the, I just killed my father. That's true. Or I just killed my dad, excuse me. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So, yeah. I mean, as good of an outcome as you can possibly have in this situation, I guess, Mm -hmm. Alexis seems like she's doing well. Um, Just can't Despite. Yeah. yeah, But thank you guys so much for hanging out with us, uh, listening or watching, and we will catch you on the next episode. Bye. Bye. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this case. Connect with us on Instagram or Facebook to continue the conversation. Thanks for listening, and we will meet you back here next week. Bye. The theme song for the show is created and composed by Stephen Toby. You can find more of Stephen's work on SoundCloud. Our logo was created by Sloan Williams of Sophisticated Crayon. You can find more of her work on Etsy. Visit us at killerqueenspodcast.com for merch and other info about the show. 